there is something to be said about the commercialization of certain holidays, not least of all Valentine's Day. There's a certain added pressure to make sure you do something special for your significant other. Some people love the predictability because they have a designated time set in their calendar of when they're going to do something special for their person or friends or family. And then nothing until birthday, nothing until Christmas, nothing until anniversary. Having a schedule, having routine makes us comfortable, makes us feel safe. That's completely understandable. We don't have any immediate predators hunting us down. So we fall into certain routines. That's in and of itself. Nothing is wrong with that, I don't think. But the commercialization, the pomp and circumstance of it all, it starts to feel manufactured because it is. And then you start to ask yourself, well, at least I do. Is this person doing this because they're obligated on this particular day? Or are they doing it because they care? It could be both. It could be both. So I've been looking into Valentine's Day. And to no one's surprise, it's full of murder. So I'm going to start off by reading an article from walksofitaly.com. Art and Culture, the strange but true story behind Valentine's Day. While this is not your conventional story about Valentine's Day that's filled with romance, it's a fascinating take on a tradition that is widely celebrated on February 14 in many countries around the world. Strange but true. There is a skull of an ancient Roman martyr named Valentine in the church of Santa Maria in Cosmedin. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Whether or not it's the skull of the martyr who inspired Valentine's Day is a matter of some debate. To put it mildly, bound up in this debate is the unexpected history of one of the world's most curious holidays. Let's start from the beginning. Who was Saint Valentine? The better question is, who were? Depending on who's counting, there are between 12 to 14 St. Valentines, including a Spanish hermit and a woman, Valentina. Turns out, it was a pretty common name during late antiquity. As far as anyone can tell, the St. Valentine of Valentine's Day was one of two guys preaching the good word in Rome in the third century. One of these two was martyred on February 14, 269, thus giving us the date for his eponymous day. So what did this guy, uh, guys, have to do with love and greeting cards and overpriced restaurants? Absolutely nothing. After he was killed, Valentine's remains sat in the catacombs of San Valentino for a while before moving to Santa Maria in Cosmedin or the Basilica of St. Valentine in Terni. If you support the claim of the other Valentine, where they were visited by pilgrims for many years, they probably would have remained venerated 
but somewhat anonymous relics for the patron saint of beekeepers and people suffering from the plague had it not been for Chaucer. What does an English medieval poet have to do with a Roman martyr? Geoffrey Chaucer has nothing to do with Roman martyrs, but he has a lot to do with English literature, and that's how he created a connection between St. Valentine and love celebrations. The first written connection between love and Valentine's Day appears in this poem, Parliament of Fowls, written in the late 14th century. He appears to have simply invented the correlation and chalked it up to poetic license, though it's also possible that he was drawing from older courtly traditions. So Valentine's Day is basically a sham invented by a poet in order to make his lines rhyme? Not exactly. Shortly after Chaucer mentioned love on Valentine's Day, real-life lovers began to send each other love poems on February 14th. It's possible that these predate Chaucer, but we simply don't know. To put that another way, people have been writing Valentines to their loved ones for over 500 years. So even if there's no direct connection to a guy who was murdered horribly by ancient Roman pagans, it's still part of a serious legacy of love. That's actually pretty heartwarming. I thought it was just another hallmark holiday. Not so fast. Modern Valentine's Day is very much a product of the various industries that benefit from it, namely stationery, chocolate, flowers, and jewelry. Every year, Billions of dollars are spent on these items. Even in countries where Western holidays are frowned upon or outlawed, have seen an upsurge in Valentine's Day gifts in recent years. In Saudi Arabia, where the holiday is illegal, there is a thriving black market for red roses and heart-shaped chocolates in February. Interestingly, in Japan, possibly due to a translation error in an early chocolate ad, the holiday was imported from the United States after the Second World War. Women are expected to give chocolate to lovers, boyfriends, and even male co-workers. However, Japan also celebrates a gift-giving tradition on March 14th, where they are expected to give white chocolates of equal or greater value to anyone who gave them chocolates in February. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> All of this for an old skull sitting in a church in Rome? Not just any old skull. Relics comprise the backbone of Rome's original tourism industry, which sprung up during the Middle Ages and was based around Christian pilgrims who came to visit the cities, many churches and holy cities. Relics in particular became huge tourist draws because of the miraculous powers they were thought to contain some of which could be transferred to the faithful who came in contact with them. In our less credulous time, relics have lost some of their ability to draw visitors, but they remain impressive, and sometimes macabre additions to many of the churches in Rome. And I even got to thinking about the heart shape, because the human heart doesn't look anything like what's portrayed on Valentine's Day, or just in general, that stereotypical curved heart shape with the point on the bottom. Speaking of bottom, if you remember Fantasia by Disney, the first one, there is a scene with some cupids. I believe it's in 
the part called the pastoral symphony and some female centaurs are are bathing and getting ready to welcome some male suitors and there are some cupids that are helping to make the day as smooth as possible helping to get the female centaurs ready and there's a part where the curtains are closing uh, a cupid has just helped two centaurs to find each other they were feeling really down and sad and left out because everybody was partnered up except them and they just hadn't seen each other so the cupid got his little cupid friends together and they started playing the flute for each of them and led them to each other essentially and they were paired and as they sat together staring into the ether the curtains closed on the scene and one of the cupids was left behind and not knowing exactly what to do he decided he was going to bend over now remember these cupids or cherubs are nude and i saw this as a child so i obviously i had a very innocent view of everything but once the cupid or the cherub had bent over all that was left behind was his little rump and his two legs coming down in a point and then it fades out and all that's left behind is the shape and it hit me and I said is that where it comes from and it turns out it's not that far-fetched somewhere I've read I don't remember where exactly but the heart shape essentially is supposed to be a woman's derriere slash hips as she bends forward and her legs come down in the point and I thought oh that's wild <sighs> another vision or another image uh, is the womb if you look at the womb it does have a seemingly heart-esque shape so it could have been derived from this as well there are lots of pagan traditions that have found their way into modern day celebrations and religious events and beliefs and sometimes those things are very subtle they're sort of poked at and nobody today would remember where any of these things came from originally not without some maybe oral tradition or some written stories or something along those lines and in so-called pagan traditions the feminine is worshipped is seen as divine so every aspect of the female the hips the reproductive organs were immortalized into certain shapes and you can imagine that some of those things were adopted in quotation marks into today's traditions and celebrations regardless of what your views are on these holidays or celebrations if you can get away from the maddening crowd and reflect on why you're doing the things you're doing that would be good if it's genuine then it's genuine but if you're feeling pressured think about it because you can feel pressure but also mean what you're doing it can also be sincere even though you're feeling pressure I think sincerity is most important, regardless of the origins of a particular holiday. You can completely ignore it, or you can take part. And if you choose to take part, may it be genuine. Well, this one was short, but you've been on the fringe. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening, sharing, following, 
and all your support so far it's greatly greatly appreciated i've been getting a lot of really cool feedback and some awesome positive criticism and i'm loving it thank you so much feel free to check out my merch on teespring and my instagram on the fringe podcast see you in the next one guys stay weird